spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 138th annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit, my name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. We are uh, slugging through the cold season in uh, Minnesota. You start to, over the weekend, it was in the negatives all weekend. So uh, that wasn't pleasant, but it was 20 today. So that's a, a thing. How's uh, the weather in Arizona? Oh, you know, it's been uh, it's been a little rainy, actually, the past few days. The uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day uh, were were pretty rainy. So I was uh, I was going to go get my car washed and waxed ready for the season, but can't do it yet. So I would it's, just, uh, it's been pretty cool, though. I would just like to get my car washed because it's covered in salt and all that other fun shit that's all over the road. But. It's too cold, you wash it too early, and then you're stuck with your doors frozen shut, which isn't fun. Yeah, you pretty much either need to have a garage that you can wash it in, or do it during the day so that the sun can hopefully melt it. But you gotta know that it's (laughs) gonna be, what, over 32, so. Do you remember that time we went to the concert, and we got out, and the door handles were, or the keyhole is frozen, and we didn't have any way of getting hot water, so... I don't remember if it was me or somebody else had to like pee on the keyhole to unfreeze it. I assume it was probably Matt Dota. But. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was pretty fucking funny. Those were the uh, 17, 18 year old antics we used to get ourselves into. Um, yeah. So we wanted to talk about, we had kind of, well, one particular individual uh, yesterday who went a little crazy on the football field, Phil. What do you do? Kind you want of to... a kind of a hero of ours, actually. <laughs> I I don't want to be associated with him and the word no. hero because he does have sexual assault charges against him. But uh, do you want to talk? What do you what do you found out the inside scoop about Mr. Antonio Brown? Yeah, this is being a little facetious there, but uh, yeah, Antonio Brown apparently I don't know. This has to be his last stop. Um, he had, he won a Super Bowl last year with Tampa Bay, and from what I heard. He pretty much got all of his numbers in last in last week's game. Uh, from what I was hearing, Tom Brady basically forced the ball to him a bunch of times. And this week he was pissed off about something. I'm not exactly sure what. I haven't heard that. He apparently he was pissed off about something. See, he, oh, go ahead. Apparently he was pissed off about something and he decided to kind of like take off his jersey, take off his pads, take off his Under Armour shirt and then like just give a deuces to the crowd. And he walked off not he didn't just walk off the field. He basically like cut through the field as he walked off as if to say like, uh, I'm, I'm fucking beyond this. Fuck it. Yeah, he, he threw his shirt and gloves, I think, at the crowd as well. Um, yeah. So what I heard. Okay, this is the rumor was that he he went to the sideline. He told the coach, hey, my ankle, or the coach said, all right, get ready. You're going in. He said, I can't. My ankle's sore. And he goes, okay, well, we'll just shut you down until the playoffs. Okay, smart move. Let him get healed. And then yeah. that's when he threw a fit and stormed off the field. That- well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was kind of stupid to say, well, when is the playoff start? Is that coming up pretty soon here? Two weeks. Two weeks away. So it would be smart to be like, oh, shit, if your ankle's sore, then we're taking you out for the game. Like, that, that would be the smart thing to do. Did he just not want to go in? Is that? I I don't know. That's where the mystery lies. Or he didn't want yeah. to listen to Bruce Arians or I don't know. But he definitely acts like a clown. Yeah, I don't know. It. Well, I was listening to Skip and Shannon, and uh, Shannon Sharp was basically saying, like, people should not be surprised at all 
to see this kind of behavior coming from him. Uh, he was basically referencing when he um, got his feet wet and went into the the ice therapy or whatever you call that, basically the cold tank when he got his feet frostbitten, talking about like some of the antics that he was trying to pull in Pittsburgh. So yeah, that kind of stuff. He, he, when he was on hard knocks like a few years ago, I, and that was when the foot frozen foot thing happened. I swore that guy was on drugs of some kind. That was for the Raiders. Correct. Yep, that was for the Raiders. Basically, he had a cup of coffee uh, playing for the Raiders while Hard Knocks was there. And he kind of became like the, the center of attention of that show. I don't know. I don't really watch it. I know you guys watched it, but. It's a it's a fun show. Yeah, it's people like him that kind of drop the attention because he's such a psychopath. Yeah, that one year that I was hanging out with you up in St. Paul and they were chase they were following the Browns. And their new quarterback just got there, and we made fun of him because he was on there with a country star. Yeah, uh, what the hell was that guy? This is Baker Mayfield and... Baker Mayfield and... I don't remember the uh, the other name. Yeah, I don't care about... I don't, I'm not a huge country music fan, so I'm not going to remember. But yeah, basically, Baker Mayfield got there. I think it was Ty- Tyrod Taylor, who basically just had figured out right away that he's not starting anymore like he's not their guy so no he uh that poor guy he he's kind of just the okay you're gonna start till the new guy's ready that's kind of his role and then he gets hurt and yada yada yada. but anyway enough football are you are you prepared are you amped up you ready for the first conspiracy episode well not really conspiracy but first episode of the uh, new year here yeah let's hit it all right This week, we are going to be talking about a subject that has fascinated the world for a very, very long time. That subject is lycanthropy or werewolves. Now, I will be mainly focusing on one individual in particular that claimed to be a werewolf, but one has to wonder where someone like the individual we're about to talk about got such an idea that he was suffering from lycanthropy. So, would you prefer to be called a werewolf, or would you prefer to claim that you're suffering from lycanthropy? Well, if anyone who's a fan of the Harry Potter films knows that, I believe that they are different. A lycan is someone who chooses to become like a dog, and a werewolf is someone who it just kind of happens to. Is that how it is? Uh, no, not... Well... Actually, I'm going to be going through a few little... Because we don't exactly know where the legend of werewolves came from, but we have... I gave three examples of where people might have gotten the idea from, and it seems like if we're going based off the lycanthropy word, then it has to be coming from Greek mythology, which I'll talk about Mm -hmm. in a minute here. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I... As far as I know, it's the same thing. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't really know where the word comes from. I do know that it is kind of spread out throughout the world's mythology of kind of this idea of like a man like becoming a beast, whether it being like a literal beast or just kind of like completely uncivilized. I so get I do know yeah, that I do know that there is a lot of like it's spread out throughout the world. Now I mean even if you look at it through the right lens, technically a skinwalker could be put under this category as well, right? Yes. Well, I mean, a skinwalker, I think, is... It's a shapeshifter. They are, they're mainly the beast, but then they can turn themselves into... Uh, they're more of like a changeling. But, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, let me tell you about the first origin of the werewolf uh, that some scholars believe that it came from the Epic of Gilgamesh, which dated between 2100 and 1200 BC. In the poem, Gilgamesh finds out that a potential lover had actually turned her previous mate into a werewolf. So uh, I don't know that much about the Epic of Gilgamesh, but apparently it was found in Mesopotamia, and it's one of the oldest written things they have record of, I believe. Yeah, it's one of those um, 
God, how do I put this? It's like the granddaddy of all myths. Like there are so many myths that got sent through, like the Etruscans, um, you know, the Persians, the Greeks, uh, even like you know modern day Bible stories. A lot of them come from the Epic of Gilgamesh. Um, it's kind of this huge, huge story that pretty much predates a lot of other cultures, let alone like written records. So it's I mean, it sounds pretty metal. I can't can't lie about that. Yeah, twenty one hundred to twelve hundred BC. I mean, you think about it, like the Greeks were barely even a society. Rome wasn't even a city yet, one of those deals. Right. So it's very long time ago. It's pretty sweet. So it could have came from there. Uh, as I mentioned, the word lycanthropy, I think, I'd assume came from the Greek mythology because they had the legend of, I assume this is pronounced Lycon. Um, Lycon had actually upset Zeus when he served him a meal made out of the remains of a sacrificed boy as punishment, Zeus ended up turning Lycon and all of his sons into wolves. So, I don't really know why he served him a meal made out of a sac sacrificed I, boy. I do remember, I have heard this story before. I believe, well, if it's Zeus... He probably fucked his wife, I'm guessing. Probably. It's Zeus, it's Zeus after all. Yeah. But I do remember this, and I believe it's one of those deals where um, he turned him into a wolf and made him either eat his sons or eat some somebody he loved. And that was kind of the deal where it just kept happening like every single night. I, believe, I do believe it's one of those repeating stories. Okay. I'm not exactly sure. I'd have to reread it again. But but it seems like in that one, he couldn't revert to human. He was just a wolf. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying that's reading through the tea leaves. I think that is kind of what I'm gathering. Okay. And it might not be the story that I'm thinking of, but I do remember hearing that Zeus turned um, one of his enemies into a wolf. I so. mean, let's be real. Zeus is kind of a cunt. Oh, yeah, they all were. All of the, yeah. the Greek gods were. And it's a good excuse for when shit doesn't go your way. You can be like, well, you know, Greek gods are kind of cunts. So okay, that's so what they do. I didn't include this, but Lycon was the son of, am I saying this right, Pegasus? Pegasus? Well, there's, I think Pega, Pegasus was the, the, the horse. horse. I think it was one of Zeus's children or something. I, it was like Pegalos or something like that. Okay, like a demigod. Yeah. Well, one of okay. the other ones that hung out on Olympus. I'm pretty sure there was one up there with the name Pegalos or something like that. Okay. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, that's not what we're really talking about today. Uh, <laughs> I got one more, and this is more from, I guess, our heritage, Nordic folklore. Uh, they have the saga of the Volsungs. In this tale, a father and his son had discovered magical wolf pelts that gave them the power to turn into a wolf for 10 days. After the son and father donned the pelts, they went on a killing rampage all throughout the forest. The power of the pelts eventually drove the father's bloodlust to attack his son with a lethal wound or causing a lethal wound. The son would only come to survive because a generous raven gave the father a leaf that was imbued with healing powers. So that is pretty metal. I think that the author of this story might have also written for Nintendo video games during the 1990s. <laughs> kind of seems like the same stories that you'd always hear. Yeah. Oh, a generous raven has a leaf that will imbued with healing powers. There you are. Okay, correct That's me if I'm wrong. Pokemon. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Odin... Uh, I think would take the form of a raven. I don't know if that's what that's Ooh. implying. I know he he was known for like turning into a raven sometimes. Okay, I'm I'm not as good with the Nordic as I am with the the Greek. So I I when it when you said Odin and turns into the first thing that came into my mind was an owl, but I believe that's Athena. So I'm not exactly, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure at all, actually. Come to think of it, I have no idea. I'm almost positive he turns into a raven. 
uh, in okay. the stories. Odin, I don't know if he's as big of a prick as Zeus is, but I think he's still a prick. I believe that, yeah, he is the Zeus, the Zeus-like figure. Um, maybe. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. It's uh, who knows, but I do know that like the the figures of Odin and Thor and Zeus and Apollo have a lot of like parallels. So I do know that there's like quite a few parallels between the mythology. I'm just not that read up on Nordic folklore. Well, you know what? Maybe we'll cover it one day. That's probably that probably make a good episode talking, but talking a little lore, little folklore, It'd be kind of fun. Yeah, that would be a cool episode. All right, with all the uh, talk about werewolves out of the way, let's focus in on who this entire episode is actually about. Well, that person is Manuela Blanco Romasanta. Uh, their date of birth is a little contentious. But on one site, it lists it as November 18th, 1809. Her parents were Miguel Blanco and Maria Ro- Roma Santa, and they had four other children along with Manuela. Together, they all lived in a little village of Regrero Aurense. Aurense? How do you think that's pronounced, Phil? Aurense? Sounds Orense. good. Yeah, it's Spanish. I apologize. Uh, this is located in northwestern Spain. I know you went to Spain. What part of the country were you in? Ooh, I went to the capital in Madrid. Um, I don't think that's in anywhere near this. Um, Madrid. Yeah, I do know. I do know that that at this time, I believe Spain was still kind of split up. I mean, it was all part of like the same, you know, the same crown, but it was still kind of in little different kingdoms. So like Castillo and all those kingdoms. So Orange might be a kingdom, but I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, there's a lot of different names here that we'll kind of talk about, but it's, I don't know. I don't really know geologically. And this person uh, kind of travels to different sections of countries that don't seem to exist anymore. So, uh, but yeah, maybe you'll be able to pick up on it anyway. That is uh, kind of who we're talking about, that person right there. Now, there was something extremely unique about Manuela. She started off life with having several different birth defects. Apparently, at the time of her birth, she didn't look very normal, and the doctors at the time referred to her as a, quote, unknown critter. Um, that That's... Thankfully, medical things don't allow you to refer to a baby as a, quote, unknown critter. Uh, not the nicest thing to say there. Um, but that isn't yeah. But that isn't the largest medical anomaly that Manuela had to deal with. Manuela, for the first six years of her life, dressed and was educated as if she was a young girl. But at the age of six... Doctors then determined that Manuela was actually a boy. Now, while medical knowledge in Spain in the early 1800s wasn't exactly considered to be great, you'd assume they could tell the difference between a male and a female. Well, Manuela actually had a very unique condition. Now, I'm going to give... They don't know for sure which one of these it is, but it's one of the two medical conditions I'm going to talk about here. Um, The first they speculate is something known as female pseudo-hermaphroditism. Okay. Now, I actually saw an episode of a TV show that used to be pretty popular called House. Okay. And there was one patient in one of the episodes, uh, the they appeared female, but they were actually male. And that was because that person was immune to the effects of testosterone. So instead of like, you know, how all all humans are born female and then some have little triggers for testosterone to turn them into a male. Yeah. So basically, basically that person never had the testosterone affect them in the way that it does for most men. So instead of looking like a dude or, you know, instead of looking like a normal dude, it actually looked like a chick just because, you know, like, you know, 
the the testes never dropped, the dick never came out, that that sort of stuff. And okay. I wonder if that's what this is. Well, okay, that particular medical condition, um, apparently this is what it said online. When she was born, she had all the normal female genitalia, but her body began to generate an abnormally high amount of testosterone, which be- began to shift her appearance to that of a male. Um, okay. Now, with that as well, it, it's a little confusing, but it seemed like they had testicles, basically, but you couldn't tell at a young age, and then they came on later as well. I, I it's really, it's really weird. I'm not a doctor, obviously, so I don't really know. But uh, you, you almost never hear about something like that. Now, there's another speculation that she might have been suffering from. Uh, congenital adrenal hypoplasia and i'm gonna read you the medical text here for this thing um and also it'll be referred to as cah by the way it's just the uh abbreviation for that okay female infants who have classic cah may have a condition known as ambiguous genitalia in which the clitoris is enlarged or the genitals look more like those of a male child Male if infants who have classic CAH have normal appearing genitals. Um, so, again, doesn't really clarify much, but uh, it's probably something along the line of what you said from the episode of House. But after they made the discovery, um, she was no longer Manuela and now assumed the name of Manuel. And that's what, for the rest of his life, he'll be Manuel. And that's what we'll be referring to him as for the rest of the episode. Yeah, you got to remember, too, I mean, born in the early, early 1800s, they had science, but they were basically going off just their best guess. They had no, you know, they had absolutely no idea. They were just coming out, you know, a few hundred years before this. They probably would have thought this was a demon, you know. Oh, I'm sure some I'm sure some people certainly did as well. Oh, I mean, like the the doctors and scientists probably ah. didn't think that, but I'm guessing townsfolk probably definitely thought this. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very very rare. It sounds like a very rare type of thing that you can be born with. Um, but yeah, it's we'll kind of get into uh the life of Manuel here. Um, after he became Manuel, he started to live his life as a little boy, and as such, his education was changed to suit that of a boy. From the early 1800s, according to some sources, Manuel's parents were considered at the time to be wealthy and privileged, even though in the region of Spain that they lived in in the 1800s was considered to be very poverty stricken. Uh, But by all accounts, his parents just largely ignored him. While we'll never know if they just did that with all the children, nonetheless, having this transformation and then his parents, apparently ignoring him, well, probably didn't have a great, uh, didn't help his psyche much, I'll say that. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, at this time, um, God, well, Spain, I mean, Spain today is still super Catholic. But if he was poor, they probably would have thrown him or her into some kind of, like, convent situation. One of those, like you know, get it away from everybody type situations. But if they had money and they were able to fight that, then one of the, you know, um, kind of uh, the same thing was happening like in the 1900s too. So if someone was born with like really bad birth defects, they would just throw them in an asylum pretty much. Yeah. Unless the family had money and they could get away from, you know, they weren't quite as under the thumb of the priest as poor people were. Yeah, it didn't sound like... I don't really know what his parents did. Obviously, the dates and stuff from this time are a little uh, gray, I guess. But it's they say his family was well off, so they were able to pay for his education and all of that stuff. Even though they might have been dicks to him, I don't know. I it said the parents ignored him, but then again, I feel like the parents kind of didn't want much to do with their children anyway during this time. Okay, you know, I I don't I don't really know, but anyway, that's not really 
uh, you know, doesn't really matter that much. Now, the unique thing about Manuel was that he was actually considered to be extremely intelligent for the time period, mostly because he had learned the ability to read and write, which hardly any adults could do. While Manuel's uh, might have excelled with his education, it didn't stop the other children from teasing him about his appearance. By some accounts, it appears that the teasing revolved around the fact that Manuel didn't grow any larger than four foot six. And this is interesting, and I think this is one of the reasons why they think he might have had CAH was because the people who have this get pubic hair at a very, very young age, and they grow really, really rapidly at a young age, but their height overall is very, very small. So they kind of just like pop up, and then they're done. That probably has to do, I'm guessing, with the testosterone. Yeah. The high level of testosterone. Yeah, Yeah. probably. Um, So, yeah, they said he was very small. I don't know. I know people weren't as tall as they are now back then, but four foot six even seems small for the early 1800s. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, walking around Europe, going into some of those old buildings, even at my height, I'm barely 5'11". I'm like 5'10 and a half. And I would, a lot of those old buildings, I would have to duck to walk in to any new room because a lot of the, like the, the, the highest that those doors go is, you know, five foot eight, five foot nine. Yeah. So yeah, people were a lot shorter back then, especially those old ass castles. <laughs> what do you think the average height of a Spaniard in the 1800s was? Five, I, five, maybe? I, I don't know. Well, I don't know. In the 1800s, probably it. I mean, back in like the 1300s and 1400s, I know it was really short, but it's gotten progressively taller as diets have gotten better. So it mostly has to do with like diet diversification. So gotcha. I, I bet by now, five, seven, five, six probably would have been pretty. If you were that, you were probably at that, you know, medium height, you know, like okay. on the taller side, if you're like five, eight. So. You were in the uh, Spanish basketball league in the 1800s yeah if they played basketball (laughs) if you were six if you were six foot five back then you were probably considered like a giant yeah you might be put in an asylum as well oh yeah exactly (laughs) now once manuel reached the age to be considered a grown man uh his first career choice was to become a tailor which he apparently was quite skilled at in 1831 manuel would go on to marry a woman by the name of Francisca Gomez. Sadly, though, by 1833 or 1834, Francisca would pass away for reasons that we are not aware of. Following the death of his wife, Manuel decided to move to the village of Raborachau. Now, once he was in this village, he started to work as a traveling salesman. His neighbors would later describe him as effeminate, having fat legs slightly bald, having dark or black hair, a beard, and tan skin. Interesting, you don't hear someone being described as having fat legs very often. Yeah, that's, it's kind of weird. There's, um, <laughs> God, what is it? There's, there's something where, um, basically there's like dudes who are born with an extra, I think it's X chromosome, if they're like XXY, they'll have kind of like an effeminate looking body, it's said. They'll kind of get like kind of fat on their thighs, kind of like a woman gets. So I wonder if it's something like that maybe too. But Could it's a be. Odd. I don't know. I just uh, I just figured some people, you know, some people are like apple-shaped bodies and some people are like pear-shaped bodies, you know? Um, yeah. I just figured it was something like that. When I hear fat legs, I think of, I don't know why, I, th- I think of like frog legs, and I don't even know why. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I just kind of, I don't know, it's kind of weird. If you hear someone has fat legs, then they must have like, you know, a slimmer upper body, so that it looks weird. Because if you're, if you're a bigger person and have fat legs, of course you do. You know, one of those deals. But I was also going to Throw in a few other things. Yeah. I wonder, uh, the biggest killer of young women back then was childbirth. 
So I wonder if that maybe is the reason why his wife passed away. Because if they got married in 1831, she died about a year and a half, two years later. Then I wonder if that was the reason. Also, traveling salesmen back in 1830, I did not think that they would have that job unless it was like snake oil salesmen in the in the Midwest, you know? Well, uh, we'll kind of find out what he was selling. It okay. did, did, we don't really know what he did. It seemed like he was partially a tour guide-ish kind of. He would like sell people directions, I guess, through certain... Uh, like traveling routes, that's what it kind of sounded like. Um, okay. But he also, as we'll find out, he definitely traveled places and sold things. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, maps, I wonder, especially in poorer regions, I, I doubt if like maps were really a thing. You probably just had to either know where you're going or, you know, ask somebody like where to turn. I mean, I'm guessing they had roads and everything, but you yeah. know what I mean? There wasn't, it wasn't like quite as built up as it is now with like road signs and everything. So it's, it, I mean, it, it sounds like he, again, this is so old and there's a lot of conflicting information, but it sounded like he would help people travel sometimes. Okay. So, Coyote. Yeah. <laughs> Ironic for what about what he claims he is later there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so it was. it is suspected that in 1834, pretty much right after his wife's death, Manuel committed his first murder. He was traveling alongside a fellow salesman by the name of Manuel Ferrero. Now, randomly, Ferrero would vanish into thin air during one of their trips Manuel would show up at Ferrero's home requesting his clothing because apparently Ferrero had requested that he go pick him up for him. While Manuel was never charged for that murder, it's, and we find out what he does later, uh, it's a little suspicious. Okay. I don't know yeah. why you would go to somebody else's house and ask for their clothing on their behest. Yeah, I, well, it's a little weird that he would immediately go back knowing if he did you know kill Ferrero from what from the way you said that kind of sounds like we pretty much know now that he did but it's odd you would think that you would just completely be like oh yeah he ran off with some whore because back then you could just say that like well, oh no he he ran off with some prostitute and they're gone now you know as we will find out uh much like you know serial killers we've talked about or I've talked about on Bubba but uh he likes to Try to keep the impression that the person is still alive by doing ah. things like that. So, small town murder, they call it the dismount. The dismount? That's what they call the that? The dismount, yeah. The dismount, after you kill someone trying to, you know, cover uh, it up and trying to go on as things are normal. Yeah. Basically not get caught, so. Hey, you know what? Technically, this is small town murder, right? He, these are probably a lot of small towns. Oh, yeah, I'm guessing. Probably just built up around a church <laughs> and a convent of evil nuns. Yeah, they, they might actually be more evil than Manuel is. Uh, oh, goes without saying. The first confirmed mor murder done by Manuel was when he murdered a local constable by the name of Vincente Fernandez of Lyon. The story goes that Vincente was coming to collect a 600 Rioles debt from Manuel, and at some point, Manuel decided, fuck it, I'm just going to kill him. Now, in this case, Manuel was able to escape being caught because he used a fa fake passport and assumed the name Antonio Gomez. Uh, they would find him guilty and sentence him to 10 years in prison, even though he wasn't in custody so he was basically, if they ever got him, then he was going to have to serve it, but they could not, could not find him. So he was tried in absentia, basically. Yes. yes. Also, kind of a trailblazer, you know, making up a fake passport with a different name to get away. They wouldn't, you know, that would be a big thing in like 150 years or 120 years. He, serial killers to be getting away. He, he, you know, making up fake passports and shit. He does that a few times, actually. Okay. So he, yeah, he's pretty, like I said, he isn't a very intelligent man. 
So mm-hmm. he he's probably way ahead of his time here for uh I guess a serial killer game. He is Spain's it's, first documented serial killer as well, so there's that. It's kinda like it's kinda like the movie Idiocracy when he's going to prison and he just tells the guard, Oh no, I'm actually supposed to be getting out today. I think I'm in the wrong line. I've already <laughs> been to prison. The fat guy already <laughs> sat on my head. Yeah. For one of those deals. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else is just an idiot. Now, all of the following murders I'm about to tell you seem to fall under Manuel's M.O. Now, this is kind of the calling card for any murderer, basically, is what they like to do. Uh, Now, perhaps those first kills, it seems like weren't necessarily planned, but the next bunch that I'm about to tell you definitely appear to be. So, here's his M.O. Generally... Manuel, he would form some sort of either platonic or romantic relationship with single mothers or divorced women. The way he was able to come into contact with these women was because uh, he, as he traveled around, he would start to take on jobs that at the time were generally associated with women, such as making yarn, cleaning residences, and cooking. Uh, he was also known to partake in different sorts of women's crafts. While there isn't a definite description of how he murdered them, he appeared that he would gain the ladies' trust and promise them a better life by working for a rich family that was located in the Santander region of Spain, which must have been a richer area. Mm. He would convince them to set off on travel with him to Santander. Manuel would kill them in some fashion, which by some accounts left the bodies in a completely unrecognizable state. That's how brutal it was. He would then take all of their clothing and any goods they had on him, and he would pawn them off, sell them off to make money. So that's kind of his MO of what he does to people. Yeah, I'm kind of trying to, like, put him, like, so what he does is he tries, he goes the route of trying to be, like, almost like an ally or yep. kind of like a hero. Yep. Um, A lot of serial killers will do that where they basically try to appear as if, like, especially him, he's got to appear like the most unassuming dude you've ever seen. Because he's four foot six, he's got fatty little legs. You know what I mean? You yeah. probably would never see it coming from this guy. No, and um, like most of the other the men in the town didn't assume anything bad from him because he they described him as effeminate, um, so yeah. they and kind of small and frail, so they didn't really assume he was killing people. Yeah, you can definitely tell too that those first two murders weren't like part of his plan or part of his mo. Because normally a serial killer like this, if he's going after women, it usually is either older women or young girls. And then he moves up to like women who could actually defend themselves. He starts off by killing a guy that he knows, like a, a salesman friend, and then he kills a cop. Yeah. So he, he doesn't really go with his MO. But I can see, though, the part where he said he, he stole the women's clothing and their jewelry. He did the same thing. With the the man that he killed, the yeah. salesman. It, it seems like all his murders are about getting money. That's what yeah, I'm gathering. It's weird. Well, if it was just about getting money, you'd think he would just do it quick and then get their clothes. But if he, if he either, I don't know if he's beating them or doing something, you said unrecognizable state. Yeah. So he must have some kind of anger towards like women or you know, rejection, society in general, or his wife dying, something like that. Yeah. We're, yeah. Speculation, we're, but. They don't really give the graphic details of the murders. They just say, like, some of these people's families, uh, when they tried to identify the body, there wasn't enough left for them to identify him. Okay. And gotcha. once we get to the trial, we'll kind of figure out, or we'll kind of, I'll give you a description of how um, they see it as well. So okay. here's the, I'm kind of just going to go through his victims here. Uh, his first victims that he murdered in that manner began in 1846. 
starting with Manuela Garcia and her daughter Petra and Manuela's sister Benita and her son Francisco. Uh, they all believe that Manuel is taking them to Santander. So he killed all four of them right there. In 1850, he murdered Antonia Rua and her daughters per Peregrina and Maria. So there's three more. In 1851, he murdered Josefia Garcia and her son Jose. Now, with all those murders, to keep up the pretense that they were still alive and well and working and making a lot of money in Santander, uh, Manuel began writing letters to the families pretending that he was them. Uh, while this worked for quite a while, in February of 1852, finally, the suspicions started to arise with Manuel because all these people are like, where are my family members? Where are all of these people? Because they just happen to go missing when they associate with him. So again, he got another fake passport and he fled to Toledo, which is not the Toledo, I think, in Ohio. No, it's not the one in Ohio. No. I, I think there's one in Spain. Yeah. Unless he unless he fled to Ohio. I mean, I I'm mean... sure it was a city at this time. <laughs> um, it was... So, I just... Okay, so the thing about the coyote seemed to be true, or pretty pathetic. Yeah. But the... Um, I know... it. You guys did a Bumblebutt episode about a guy who was... Was he sneaking people out of Nazi Europe? Yeah. And then he would end up murdering them. And he would basically tell them he would basically send letters to the family asking for more money. Yeah. There was a, a guy like that. So that's what it reminds me of. I'm just trying to remember back to that episode. I don't remember. He had basically a torture kill room. Yeah. Built into his house though. Yeah. I see. This is the weird thing about this guy is he's basically preying on people who I wouldn't say would be forgotten, but are less mm. likely to draw the attention when they go missing. Um, and yeah, he seems to just murder them to get himself money. But like you said, the brutality of the murders um, kind of makes you wonder, I don't know, what's going on in his head. Yeah, it's got to be something more, unless they're basically just finding, you know, decayed corpses who have been there. Uh, you know, in that case, then yeah, they, they can't distinguish uh, identity very well if it's a body i don't know how long it's taking them to find these bodies if they're don't finding know. them right away there's so much remote like spain's a very rugged kind of country if you watch i feel like you've ever um watched any like movies that take place in spain there's a lot of kind of like rugged landscape so i'm guessing kind of like almost like new mexico yeah with more intelligent people than in new mexico i'm guessing well okay now i hope i don't sound arrogant here but um italy or spain and italy kind of butt up to each other right yes they do but spain has a, a different climate and okay. they're both mediterranean climates but i believe spain's a lot drier well, portugal is is a lot drier too so here's the thing i would just say i've seen a lot of old italian movies where they're filmed in the countryside and yeah they're very it's like rocks everywhere, like large rocks and in, in I think mountains yeah. as well. Um so. Oh yeah, it's very yep, very rugged out there too. Yeah. But I believe I just believe that Italy is a has a little bit more like moisture. They get mm. a little bit more rain. So Well, anyway, uh in Toledo, under the new name, Manuel started to work as a field laborer, but the case against him back in Robordachau uh, they started to realize that Manuel had been selling off the clothing and goods of many of the missing persons. Now, one website claims that someone he knew actually had turned him in because he was selling soap to everybody, right? That was kind of a yep. thing that he sold. And he let him in on a little secret that a lot of the soap's main ingredient was human fat. Yikes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, like some Nazi shit. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. We don't know if that's true, but apparently somebody knew he was doing this and turned him in for it. Uh, but they were able to track him down in Toledo and officially arrested him. 
Uh, so okay. I don't know if he was turning people's or I, you know, cutting fat off of these bodies and making soap to sell it on top of selling the clothing and goods is pretty, pretty fucking wild. Yeah, he's quite an industrious fellow. That's yeah. uh, basically, well, Fight Club, all that they would do is go to the liposuction clinics and steal it out of the hazardous waste bins. So I don't know. You would, yeah, that's so, that would be so crazy. Because, yeah, that's that would be the unrecognizable state if he was actually doing that. Yeah. Because he must have been cutting, literally cutting the fat off of these people. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty... That's Pretty gruesome. bad. Yeah. Unfortunately, they didn't have Jenny Craig's everywhere where you could just go get liposuction done. But uh, mm. in the 1800s, I don't think they did. Maybe they had Jenny Craig's back then. Uh, and also, I don't even know if you get that procedure done at Jenny Craig, but it just seems like somewhere that would offer it. <laughs> I don't. I think Jenny Craig might have been like a diet. Uh, ah, okay. She was a, obviously a person, but I think that might have been a like a, a really famous diet back in the 90s <laughs> i don't even know where you get liposuction I'm, plastic surgery clinic maybe yeah i think that's what it is it's uh i don't know if it's as popular as it used to be it used to be a big thing that everyone gets but i think it might be the um and i think they might like staple people's stomachs yeah the bypass gastric now. bypass yeah, I think they might do that more now than liposuction because you just never hear about it. But maybe it's such a common thing now that they just don't talk about it anymore. Like it when it well, was brand new. I heard there was something else where they can like freeze and destroy fat cells. Um, yeah, I've heard that too. I don't know how it works, but apparently you can do it. Yeah. Or I think they have medicine that basically bleeds out like the fat sacks in your body. But oh, I don't okay. have no idea if that works. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Now, after Manuel was in custody, uh, he was then transferred to Alara's and put on trial for the murders of the 13 people, which ranged from in ages 10 to 47. This is when the courts received a confession from Manuel that uh, we'll just say they weren't quite ready for. He immediately confessed that, yes, he did indeed murder those 13 people, but that was not his fault. The reason he said it wasn't his fault was because he was cursed and would transform into a wolf. And it was actually the wolf that was the one killing these people. Did he just okay. checkmate the, uh, the jury there? Yeah. If he would have just thrown something in about Satan, uh, and <laughs> basically how he was, you know, Oh, there's these satanic cults out there. They're the ones who put it on me. You know, maybe blame the gypsies, too. He could have basically just walked out of jail. Okay, is that it? Okay, I'm going home now. Bye, guys. <laughs> well, well, they, they uh, one site said, you know, they're experiencing a lot of plagues and illnesses and, and all that that were driving people basically crazy. So they mm -hmm. kind of made it sound like him saying this wasn't even that weird for the time. Okay. So I don't know if that's true or not, but that's just kind of what they said. Um, are you ready to hear how Manuel got cursed, Phil? Yes, I am. I, I actually, this is probably my favorite part of the whole episode. How? <laughs> it's, it's been pretty good so far. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, Manuel went on to give the court his explanation about how he had received this horrific curse. It all began when Manuel was traveling in the mountains and was approached by two terrifying wolves, which he would later confess were named Antonio and Don. Uh, the, t the two wolves would go on to attack Manuel, and he found himself being transformed into a wolf for several days before finally reverting to his human form. Manuel's wolf form would get very hungry and was the reason why he felt the need to kill all of those people to sedate that wolf inside of him. So, Interesting. It's God. I mean, you would think that I'm just trying to be rational here. Was it the wolf's fault that he was basically selling all of the clothing from these people? 
you know, like, <laughs> like yeah, basically he, he would turn back into a human when, he, when the wolf was full and he'd be like, oh, fuck. Well, I might as well pick off the jewelry and, you know, <laughs> you know, rip off the fat and turn it into soap. Yeah, he kind of uh, neglected that. Maybe Antonio and Don, uh, he, they made him do I just couldn't get over that. Like, clearly this guy just threw out the two most generic Spanish names at the time. I'm like, yeah, it was Antonio and Don, the werewolves. They got me, man. It was these two wolves, Jimmy and uh, Don. You know them. You know the guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know like, the wolves, right? Like, what would be the two most American names? Like, oh, yeah, it was John and Peter. They bit me. They're wild wolves, man. <laughs> yeah. It was Ricky. Yeah, Ricky and Clayton. They got me, man. <laughs> uh, now, around this time in Spain, I'm guessing superstitions were running rampant. So oh, yeah. I wouldn't have been out of the question for some people to believe maybe it was possible that Manuel was a werewolf. Uh, prosecutor Lucien Bastida Hernandez asked Manuel to transform in front of the court to prove that he was, in fact, a werewolf. But there's a problem. Manuel could not do that, but he had a very reasonable explanation why. Manuel explained to the court that the werewolf curse only lasted 13 years, and unfortunately for him, that had, that time period just expired last week. So he couldn't ah. turn into a wolf. God damn it. Fuck, I'd be like, fuck. Well, sorry, dude, you missed it. But can I go home now? <laughs> Basically, just, no, 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 you, you missed it. When did it end? Last week. Yeah, no. How did, how are you, sh if it just ended last week, how are you sure? <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe you'll turn into one right now. <laughs> he just, I think this guy is just very clever, Um, you know. Also, did Antonio and Don explain to you after they bit you that this was going to happen to you? Like, did they revert back into human form and, like, give you the basics? Like, the, the fucking rundown of how it all works? Oh, no, no, 13 years. Exactly. So. They left him a pamphlet. Yeah. They left him a pamphlet uh, after they bit him. Uh. Unlucky for him, it was in Portuguese, so he could barely read it. Almost <laughs> read it, but not very well. <laughs> No, after the trial was over, they would actually go on to acquit Manuel in the case of four of the murders because they determined that the bodies were actually a result of a wolf attack. But the other nine were very clearly done by the hands of a human, even if those were still extremely grotesque in nature. On April 6, 1853, uh, Emmanuel was found guilty and sentenced to be put to death by Grote, and he was ordered to pay a thousand reals for each of the nine victims. Um, they had a picture of death by Grote. Holy shit, that is gnarly. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, so we, when we were talking about the killing of the witches, a garot is what they use to kill those witches. Sometimes. Oh my god. It's Basically, like it's, it's by like the neck, right? Well, the picture they had, they had a guy in a chair, they had the garrote around his neck, and then someone mm -hmm. was twisting it like it's a fucking door on a uh, ship hull. Uh, so basically, I don't know if it cuts your head off more or less, but it gets probably cuts into you pretty deep. Well, so you watched in those old Western movies when they would be, you know, when the sheriff would put them behind bars and they'd basically take like a cloth and a, and a, a, a bar and twist it. Until basically it was able to completely bend the bars. That's kind of the same thing. You're basically just twisting it and twisting it. Yeah. Until the person's neck just... Either they suffocate, blood loss, or it just breaks their neck. So it Crushes their larynx, I think, uh, is kind of what that does. And then obviously... I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure you're in extreme pain before you die. Yeah. So. It didn't look like a good... It didn't look like a ride at Disneyland. Uh, no. Yeah, it looked kind of it looked kind of painful. Yeah, but, maybe Euro Disney, but <laughs> geez. Uh, here's what I thought was interesting: they actually said that four of the murders actually were caused by a wolf attack. So I don't yeah. know. That's kind of weird. That is pretty crazy. That it's. I mean, if he's taking them out there, 
you can see maybe they were attacked by wolves if they were all in the same group. But yeah, I don't know. Um, also, how good was the forensics back then? Very like, that true. they could actually determine if it was a wolf who killed them. Also, I talked about like maybe this guy was really good at figuring his dismount. Maybe that was this guy's plan all along was to blame it on like a werewolf or becoming a werewolf or, or a lichen. And maybe he just has always set this up to where he killed them in such a gruesome manner. They would be like, this wasn't done by a man. It must have been done by an animal. Yeah. You know, one of those situations. Well, the other thing I, I just thought of now that you brought up earlier, if the bodies were sitting there for quite a while, a wolf <laughs> probably would start oh, eating them. Coyotes and dogs. Yeah. And, yeah. So animals, just fucking animals pecking at it, basically. That could that could uh, be a possibility as well, but the story of Manuel isn't quite over yet, because in May of 1854, Manuel found that his death sentence had been commuted to life imprisonment instead. Well, what was the reason for this? Well, a French hip hypnologist by the name of Doctor Phillips had stepped in and was adamant that Manuel was suffering from monomania in the form of lyco lycanthropy. Uh, micromania is basically an obsession with something. Like this now, we call this clinical lycanthropy. When someone believes that they're a werewolf, more or less. Um, okay. So, so monomania is like the an obsession with something. And I guess this guy said, this guy's got it. So well, mon mono is one, so it must be like obsessed, like mania obsessed. So yeah, obsessed with one thing. Yeah, and he super thinks that he's a a werewolf apparently. But Doctor Phillips claimed that he could indeed fix Manuel's ailments through the power of hypnosis. Doctor Phillips would go on to write Queen Isabella the second and request that Manuel's death sentence be commuted. And the queen would actually go on to grant said request. So that's okay. pretty big. Yeah. I'm, well, God, 18, 1854. Um, I think the name Isabella for a queen was actually pretty common, uh, like throughout the years. But I do remember hearing about a queen Isabella. Um, God, I mean, that must have been like kind of like the cutting edge of, you know, psychology. Because they really like... What's the earliest you can think of like psychology shit happening? Like the like maybe twenty years before this in the early eighteen hundreds? Yeah. Yeah. So I this don't must know. have been like right at the beginning. I mean, he is claiming to be a hip hip hypnotist, so I don't know. Um yeah, yeah I, I don't know. But apparently it, it doesn't really say if he helped him or not. I kinda think No. Hey, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say no, it uh it sounds like he hasn't done any of the hypnosis yet. He just assumes that he can heal him with the power of hypnosis. But I'm guessing that he probably believes he can heal anything through the power of hypnosis. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think you, I think you're right. It doesn't really say if he cured him or not. All we know is after he got his life imprisonment, he was eventually transferred to uh, Suerta Prison. Uh, now again. There's a few conflicting reports about what happened to Manuel once he arrived at this prison. One story goes that he simply would go on to die of stomach cancer in 1863. And another rumor claimed that a prison guard had actually shot him because he wanted to see if he could transform into a wolf. Uh, okay. E either way, that kind of concludes the story of a man who claimed to be a werewolf and have killed all these people to feed his wolf wolfly instincts. And as I mentioned, uh, Spain's first ever documented serial killer right there. Uh, Mr. Manuel Blanco. That's, uh, that's him there. What do you, what do you think he was a werewolf, Phil? Ooh, um, obviously, you know, I, I'm going to go on the side of no. Um, <laughs> I think, Geez, it's, I was going to say about that thing about the psychology, I'm not exactly sure the time of like Freud when kind of like, you know, really looking into like the brain and psychology like started to get big. I would have to look at like 
look at that to see if this was like super early for that or not. But also trying to think of a guy who's you you got to think he was a full grown adult at four foot six. Also, he was described as very doughy and effeminate. Not a great place to go into prison in the 1850s, 1860s in Spain. So or anywhere, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think prison anywhere in the world was great in uh, 1860. But uh, the one thing about this guy that I can't quite put a finger on is, did he actually believe he was suffering from lycanthropy? Or was he just a very, very clever murderer who thought he could get away and kind of did with his crimes by claiming he was? Well, I wonder, too, if he is as clever as, you know, everyone says that he is, if he would, if he could have actually gotten himself to believe it and fooled Dr. Phillips during the hypnosis sessions, he been able to if you can get yourself to believe something so much that even under hypnosis, you you claim you have stories of you turning into a vampire or a werewolf. Sorry, if you turn it into a werewolf, it almost kind of sounded like he was sentenced to death. Dr. Phillips read the case report and or whatever the documents. And then he was like, oh, he's suffering from this and I can fix him. Yeah. Also, like we listen to a lot of I listen to a lot of like true crime, you know, podcasts right now. And you hear about all these people who are obviously, you know, very mentally disturbed, but they still get the death sentence. Um Back then, you would think immediately they would just take him out and fucking hang him. But, like, if if right now, if someone claimed that they, you know, believed that they turned into a werewolf, and that's the reason why they're committing these crimes, they would just sentence them, depending on what state they lived in, they would just sentence them to death. There wouldn't be any, you know, mental illness, anything like that. So. No. No. I I don't know. It's a, it's a fascinating story. It obviously will never be able to tell if this guy actually thought he was a werewolf or not, but uh, it's pretty unlikely he is, even though some of the bodies that he was allegedly responsible for look like a wolf attack. And there isn't a lot of detail about what he did to the bodies. It was just said some of the bodies were left in unrecognizable states, so... It doesn't even really say what he killed him with. You know, the the transcripts aren't great from the 1800s, so especially in Spain. Yeah, I'm guessing it's one of those situations, too, where it never made the news how he killed them because they were, you know, didn't want to scare people or yeah. have them hear about such horrible things. Right. So. Right. Well, like, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say a lot of a lot of the reporting on like wars back then before photographs were so vague that, you know, this idea that like young boys would have of like going off to fight was still like this valiant type thing. They wouldn't like, they would get to their first battle and just be horrified by all of the death and dismemberment around them. Cause they had no idea because like reporting was never very good about, you know, what actually happens, people dying. So I'm guessing it, if it was kind of like the same situation where the reports made it seem like, oh, yeah, he just killed them, nondescript, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point as well. Uh, especially, like you said, if they were most, the regions were, com- you know, controlled by some sort of religious sect, um, yeah, yeah, they would probably want to keep that stuff on the DL. Definitely. All right, well, Phil, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the episode. I probably will do more of these werewolf ones in the future because they're kind of fun. But if anybody wants to give us their possible explanation for this guy, where can they do that? They can hit us up on our email, first of all, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. It's great to hear from everybody. Great to hear all of your ideas for possible episodes. Thank you for those. Uh, Also, another great way, probably an even better way to get a hold of us is on Instagram, subliminaldeceptionpodcast on ig same thing always great to hear from everybody you know thanks for all of the the likes and replies all the messages that we get uh cody and i both have our own instagram accounts mine is sdpodphil cody you got one yeah mine is cody's above on instagram 
Uh, follow me. Give me a message. I'll talk to you. Uh, the last thing we need you guys to do, and we greatly appreciate everybody who's taking the time to do it, is leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps boost us up the charts. doesn't really matter what you say, just as long as it's five stars. If you're a Spotify user, it's even easier. All you have to do is hit that follow button, and it's like a iTunes reviews, and we greatly appreciate all those people who've taken the time to do that as well. Before, oh, I was going to say, um, actually starting a couple of weeks ago, Spotify now gives you the ability to leave a star rating. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Well, then I guess get your butts out there and do that if you would. Uh, I didn't know that. Thank you for that information. Phil will be, uh, I'll make sure to add that to the outro here. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>